Welcome to Living Your Limitless Life. Your host is Carol DeShane, the founder of Connect to Joy. This program is designed to inspire and motivate you to find your best life. Join us on this journey of transformation. Now, here is Carol DeShane. Hello, beautiful spirits. Welcome to the show. I'm Carol DeShane, and my passion in life is to help you find your joy, to release what holds you back, and assist you to quantum leap your journey of self-discovery. I'm an intuitive, certified in life and business coaching, and a Marconic multidimensional energy practitioner and teacher. So if you're ready to start creating that life you've only dreamed of, that you deserve, let's have some fun. And let's get started right now. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Today, the topic is creative writing and how it can enhance your life. Some people journal and write everything down, and others never write at all, except maybe a grocery list. Sometimes we only write when we're forced to, like in school, when an essay is required on a test or a term paper is due. Yet, blog writing is very popular now. And I wrote a blog for a number of years titled Thoughts for a More Joyous World. Why do we write? Well, we write to inform, to remember, to educate, to reflect, and even to entertain. But what benefits do we get from writing? Maybe you've never thought of the benefits before. But it really does help make us think clearer so we can formalize our thoughts. If we're not quite sure what we're thinking about, Things become clearer once we start writing them down and maybe rewriting after you have a draft. We can learn to express ourselves better. We become better communicators, both on and off the page. It builds confidence. And it gives you a better understanding of the world and really of who we are ourselves. Because sometimes we don't even know who we are until we start writing down our thoughts. But before we go any further... Let me introduce my guest, Daryl Bartell. Daryl is a U.S. Army veteran and a cancer survivor. He is an actor, a playwright, a short story writer, and an author of two books, Barry and the Vampire in the Rosedale Encounter and 10-5, You're Going Home Marine. His play, The Spectre Society, about paranormal investigations, was recently produced on Zoom by the Dallas County Community College in Dallas, Texas. His first play, Bragging Rights is a 10-minute one-man play based on school shootings and earned him a trip to the last Frontier Theater Conference in Valdez, Alaska in June 2000, where he had the privilege of meeting Pulitzer Prize-winning playwrights Edward Albee and Horton Foote and actresses Marion Seldes and Betty Buckley. He has a master's degree in theater from Texas Women's University and a master's degree in English with a minor in communications from Southern New Hampshire University, and has taught at the college level as well. Welcome, Daryl. It's so nice to have you here today. Thank you, Carol. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. We're going to talk about writing today. Can you tell me why writing? Why is it so special to you? Well, Carol, writing isn't just special to me. It's important. I mean, writing is a form of self-expression and communication, especially when it comes to our, our own mental and emotional health. I mean, in these trying times, not everyone has the money to talk to a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a counselor, a therapist, or even a life coach. 
when it comes to our own mental health, we have to be our own therapist in dealing with levels of depression, stress, and anxiety, especially when we don't have anyone to talk to. Take a look at the things we've been through, and in some cases, we're still going through over the last 14 to 16 months. Pandemic, the decision to wear a mask or not to wear a mask, the decision to get vaccinated or not get vaccinated, losing our jobs, losing our businesses and livelihood. Students and teachers across the country have to adjust and adapt to a new way of learning. A racial reckoning that involved rioting, looting, and assaulting people in broad daylight. A controversial election, an insurrection. Here in Texas, we've uh, undergone an ice storm, which took a toll on our electrical and water infrastructure back in February, not to mention the billions of dollars in damages to property. All of these things and more have raised our stress and anxiety levels to a new high over the last 16 months. And sadly, I'm sure there's more to come later on down the road that we're not prepared for that is toxic to our psychological, mental, and emotional health, but also to our hearts, our souls, and our spirit. Writing or keeping a journal is a great form of therapy to get it out of your system. And it's a form of self-expression or expressing your thoughts and ideas and your opinions. And in doing so, you can learn how to well, turn the page and move forward in your life. Now, keep in mind, writing in a journal or a diary is something that has been going on for centuries. You may know that the recordings in journals can be traced back to 56 AD China. In 10th century Japan, people kept journals in their bedrooms uh, to record their dreams, which is where we've gotten some wonderful Japanese poetry and works of art. And journaling also uh, became a common practice during the Renaissance era of the 15th and 16th centuries, when it was a way of staying grounded and true to yourself. But the most famous journal, or diary as it were, that was ever written was, as you know, the Diary of Anne Frank. Anne had uh, nowhere to go, no one to talk to, so she turned to writing a diary that was given to her on her birthday. And I want to say it was between uh, July of 1942 through August of 44 uh, that her family, along with the Van Damme family, uh, went to hiding until they were discovered and arrested by the Gestapo. Now, even though Anne Frank died, her diary her words, what she was going through in Amsterdam lived on. And as you know, that same diary was published in over 70 different countries, was made into a movie, and even a Pulitzer Prize winning play. But the point I want to make is that Anne Frank's diary was more than just a diary. It was also an important piece of history she recorded. And just like you or me, or with your listeners, it's also an important piece of their history that they're recording too when keeping a journal. So those are the two points I want to make when writing in a journal. Uh, one, it's a great form of therapy in taking care of your, met your mental health and nurturing your soul and your spirit. And two, you're also recording your history, which uh, is fun to do. I love hearing about history. That's part of what I think that all the biographies and everything's all about. So I really appreciate talking about, especially about the Diary of Anne Frank. Have you gone through struggles that have helped you find your way with writing that maybe the audience will understand more who you are and what you do? Ooh, well. Yeah, uh, I don't think we have enough time in your podcast to list all those, <laughs> but I'll try and touch on the highlights for your listeners. What I've been through is probably nothing new or nothing earth-shaking to anyone, and it isn't something they haven't been through themselves. For example, high school was a struggle. Army basic training was a, a whole different world. The loss of a couple of careers, but I did learn that it was for the best because it was time to start something new, trying to adjust to a new job, uh, a divorce. A couple of uh, emotional breakdowns due to anxiety or stress, which are toxic for the lack of a better word to your soul and your spirit, because, you know, let's face it, we all have our breaking points. Not being able to have a close relationship with a woman who I consider my daughter and I hope to adopt one day. 
the loss of the relationships I had with my sons. There was a time when, you know, we were best friends and we had a lot of fun together. And then one day you make a mistake or a series of mistakes and everything changed. And uh, I really miss those times with my sons. Being a cancer survivor and having undergone surgery and the loss of uh, relationships uh, is always difficult. And keeping a journal helped me realize why I was having relationship failures because I was seeing a pattern develop. And the reason I'm sharing this with your listeners is because at the time, I took three of my most epic relationship failures that I had, and I've had more since then, by the way, and I wrote about them and I turned them into an auditioning monologue entitled, That's Where We Met. And it got some great reviews when it underwent a Reader's Theater uh, presentation. So later, I took that monologue and merged it with a short story entitled, Lessons on Love at the Dry Hole, which is in my anthology, 10-5, We're Going Home Marine which was not only based on my dating life, but the dating life of some guys I was stationed with in Germany. And I wrote it because I figured some of the most epic and embarrassing relationship failures I've had could bring joy and laughter to other people, uh, which is something I enjoy doing. And sometimes laughing at ourselves can be a great form of therapy for our spirit. I think that's where all the comedians get it. Most of them are fairly sad people, and it seems like, maybe not all of them, but they find ways to make us laugh at our shortcomings, or at least the unusual things, so we can connect to another human being. And they have to write all that, too. So writing can really lead you to all sorts of connections to people. Oh, and talking about that, I know that you're a teacher, and I Mm -hmm. mentioned that in the introduction. So as one, how do you motivate your college students to write? Because that can be really tough especially if, if it's a have-to-take class, you know, if it's a requirement? Well, you know, that's a great question. After I give the customary, if you don't turn in your papers on time, you're going to fail the class lecture. I have my students review and write a critique on the movie The Freedom Rider, starring Hilary Swank, who portrayed English teacher Aaron Gruel. This movie is as relevant today as it was back in the 1990s. It gives a wonderful account of how Ms. Gruel used the power of reading literature, writing in a journal, and writing essays to break down the racial and cultural barriers between her students and to get them to trust her. Now, when they go to write about the movie, uh, they have to tell me who is the protagonist, which is whose life is going to change in the movie, uh, who is the antagonist, which is who creates the conflict or who's moving the conflict along. And there's no right or wrong answer because everyone has an opinion when they go to write a critique. It also helps me to establish to my students the importance and the value of reading and writing and how the English class isn't a waste of time. Then when we start writing the essays and the first essay I have them write is about a personal moment in their lives based on a song title. And I've used song titles from the soundtrack straight out of Compton, uh, along with song titles from artists Demi Lovato and Pink. And by doing so, they start to get in touch with the author of or the writer within themselves. I've had students write about everything from battling and overcoming drug and alcohol addiction, going through divorce, uh, the loss of a family member, what they went through to get into this country, uh, the birth of their first child, being bullied in school. The veterans I have in my class, they write about their experiences in Iraq and Afghanistan, and their essays are always enjoyable to read and make for great subjects to write about in their journals. Uh, I remember one essay where a student told me she ended up in the hospital and how her eyes were swollen and how her parents were telling her she had no choice, but she had to break it off. She led me to believe she was in an abusive relationship, but the truth was she was allergic to her dog. (laughs) But, you know, that's what we writers do. We draw people into our, our lives. Are there any other secrets that you want to share about getting them to really love writing? 
because that was pretty cool about writing about the song titles. I like that because I've used those as ideas for blogs and everything else. Well, first thing they've got to do is basically they've got to start. When it comes to writing, there's no magic wand. Uh, there's no magic formula uh, or no secret formula or scientific formula, whatever you call it. The only way you're going to get to love writing, you got to start, number one. And number two, you've got to write what you want to write about, especially when it comes to uh, your journal. I mean, you know, we have so much going on today uh, and so much that we've gone through over the past year. When I have my students write in their journals, uh, I have them write to their to their children, their grandchildren, their great grandchildren, their descendants, if you will, uh, letting them know what it was like at the the birth of the first child, what it was, what they felt like when you know they saw them graduate high school, graduate college, the mistakes that they made. Hopefully, your descendants will be able to learn from the mistakes and not repeat them. As far as it goes about uh, loving it, you got to start, and then once you start. You just develop it from you know one day to the next. And I really liked um, when I watched Freedom Writers as well, when she gave them that homework with a journal and handed them all of the blank pages and said, leave them in the cupboard and I'll lock it and no one will see it if you want me to read it. And then she opened the door and she had a ton yeah. of them because everybody wanted her to read their story, but they didn't want to say yeah. it. And that really showed that writing had that much power and then they started to learn to love it. So I really appreciated when you recommended that movie because it was really good. It, got, it took a little while to get into it, but once I did, it was really well, good. I'm glad. And it's a, it's a movie that I would recommend to, uh, you know, to your listeners, especially if they have the need to wonder if writing is worth it, it's worth it. And so is the movie. Yes. I really liked it. Seeing that really showed how writing can really change people's lives. Have you seen that happen in your real life, so to speak, rather than just a movie? <laughs> well, uh, th thanks for uh, bringing that up. A couple of things. It takes time. You sit down and you write uh, one entry in the journal and you think your life's going to change tomorrow. It doesn't work that way. I can give you three examples. One example is uh, I teach uh, in both my English classes, both one and two, uh, something called Aristotelian analysis, uh, basically uh, Aristotle's uh, analysis on play, uh, playwriting. And the six elements of playwriting, which are plot, character, theme, language, rhythm, and spectacle. But I also add to that by telling my students to look up words they don't know to increase the vocabulary and get a better understanding of what is being said or written. Now, we're all guilty of this, Carol. Whenever we read a manuscript or see a word we don't know, and we go, oh, that's a nice word. That's a pretty word. I wonder what it means. And we keep on reading. So I teach Aristotelian analysis to my students to look up words so they can better understand the manuscript, a play, a poem, a short story. Well, I had one student in my English 2 class announce that uh, he used Aristotelian analysis to save him money. And I was like, okay, this ought to be a good story. <laughs> he told me that his bank, apparently it had something to do with his home loan. He said they called him up and he went to the bank and they said, hey, you know, we want to do this and, and we'll help, you know, lower uh, your interest rate, lower your payment or whatever. And he said, well, OK. And they presented him the contract thinking that he was just going to sign it right off the bat. He said, you know, um, let me take this to my wife and discuss it with her. So he went on ahead and he took the agreement, sat down with it and used Aristotelian analysis. He broke down 
the entire agreement. Written in legalese and hard to understand to even anybody who even works for law. Absolutely. <laughs> and what he did was he sat down with it and he went over and he wrote down every word he did not understand, every word on every line on every page. And then he broke out the dictionary and wrote down the definition of each word that he did not understand and compared the agreement to the wording uh, that was in the contract and the word definitions that he wrote down. And then he went back to the bank manager uh, or whoever was in charge of the loans. And they confessed how that works is they'll tell you what you want to know and what you want to hear, but they won't tell you uh, what you need to know and what you need to hear. All right. So they ended up confessing that even though he would have a like a lower interest rate or a lower payment in the long run after it was paid off, it was going to cost him an additional six to eight thousand dollars. And he told them that he would keep what he had. And then I had another student. One of the things that the essays that I have my students do for career purposes, they have to also write essays on criminology, psychology, history, and government, as well as write a campaign speech or what we call in literary terms, a compelling argument. And they have to pick an actual office to run for, okay, like president, House of Representatives, Congress, uh, district attorney, sheriff. Well, I had one student pick mayor. I thought, okay, you know, that's that's interesting. And, you know, after going through all the pros and cons of why you want to be mayor and what do you plan on doing for the city, she called up the mayor of her city and got her secretary on the line, said that why she was calling her and that she wanted to write an essay about mayor and she wanted to talk to her and interview her. Secretary said, hold on just a second. So after about uh, a minute went by, you know, she, she thought she was going to get blown off. But her secretary picked the phone back up and said, uh, you know, the mayor's kind of busy all this week. I'll tell you what, you know, she'd like to invite you to her house. What when would be a good time for you? And she said, is tonight okay? She said, yeah, tonight, you know, 730. And he gave her the address and everything. So she went over there and interviewed the mayor of her town. You know, my student was fascinated about it. You know, why she got, why the mayor got into politics, why she wanted to be mayor of the city. She came up to me, presented me the essay, said, Mr. Bartell, I want to thank you. I said, okay, what for? I said, I finally know what I want to do with my life. I said, okay, well, what's that? I want to go into politics. And the first thought that I thought <laughs> that came to my head was, oh my God, I've ruined this woman's life. You know? And <laughs> I would I say, I oh, thought, I'm so sorry. You know, oh my God, I've ruined this woman's <laughs> life. I'm going to die and go to hell for this. <laughs> so that was, that was something I just, I was, I, I was not prepared for. Uh, I, I wish her well. What I always tell my students, you know, when it comes to writing a campaign speech and going into politics, in the words of Clarence Darrow, the uh, famous defense attorney who never lost a death penalty case, I would talk to you and your listeners about running for public office, but I hope everyone has higher ambitions. And then the third reason, my grandparents passed away from Alzheimer's and dementia when they were in their 80s. And my mom had to watch them go through that. Well, right now she is currently 80 years old and she uses reading and writing and doing crossword puzzles to help lower the risk of uh, Alzheimer's and, and dementia. Because uh, the, doing the crossword puzzle, it helps uh, develop uh, your critical thinking and keeps your brain engaged and, keep, and keeps your thoughts and, and your brain moving. Like everything, it takes time, but those are three good uh, examples I've seen where uh, writing change, uh, change your life. But again, it's, it takes time. It's not going to something that's going to happen overnight. 
I know a lot of times people, I hear it all the time in the movies and everything. I have writer's block. I can't write. And But I don't know writers specifically other than I know I've done a lot of writing. I'm a Toastmasters, so I write Toastmasters speeches and being the Toastmaster, you write the beginning. I write my wrote my blogs for years. I have, of course, the podcast, the radio show before that. So I've written a lot besides time term papers and things back in the day. So I have my own ideas for how to get over writer's block, but I'd love to hear some of yours before I say anything about what I might think. So what do you find helps you with mm-hmm. writer's block? Because I know you've written books and plays and all sorts of things. So you personally, as well as maybe well, your students, if you- I'm not a fan of it, but sometimes you got to make an outline. Do some simple brainstorming, writing out an outline as to uh, mm-hmm. what you're trying to do, what the through line is, what you're trying to accomplish. And the reason I'm uh, not too far outline sometimes, but I find it once in a while they do help is because I have students come up and cry to me, oh, Mr. Bartell, I can't make my essay fit my outline, you know? I thought, well, okay, change your outline. <laughs> it's a simple process, you know, change your outline. Don't be stressing out about trying to cram your essay and make it fit your outline. Just change your outline. Another thing, um, along with brainstorming and changing mm-hmm. your outline, work on something else. You know, work on uh, another idea, another play, another short story. Uh, that you have. Uh, sometimes uh, when I've been like completely and totally stuck, when I've got my characters in, in a bind, turn on the TV and I watch an old Western, you know, Wild Wild West or, or The Rifleman were like, you know, two of my favorite shows uh, when I was growing up. And I go, oh, I can use that. And I go ahead and I, and I know how, does, how do you take a, a Western or you know an idea from a Western corporate to a, into a modern play? You got to be there. That's, that's Oh, well, and ideas come yeah, from exactly. everywhere. I get them from stop signs sometimes, <laughs> merging traffic <laughs> signs, you know, it's yeah. like, oh my God, I can do a blog about that. <laughs> That's it. Work on something else. I know one time when I was doing Burying the Vampire, for the next two or three chapters, I know I had to get them precise, direct, and to the point, because uh, my main character, Barry, was going into a barn facing four vampires. And I had to get the dialogue right. I had to get the uh, uh, the motions. And I had to make sure, number one, that every character was different. And I had to make sure that none of my characters sounded the same. That took me at least three months uh, of agony. Uh, sitting there, okay, what's this character going to say? What's that character going to say? Okay, yeah, I've got that right. Okay, you know, this, this line would go with that character. And that line would go with this character. So it was... Uh, yeah, it, it, there, there's a lot of ways to overcome writer's block, but I think probably the hardest part is making a decision as to what direction you want to go. I know I find that sometimes I do what you do where I just totally stop what I'm doing and do something totally different. I step away from it and forget it for a while. And then you have those epiphanies, even when you're not thinking about it, of wait, mm-hmm. okay, because it's always in the back of your mind where you're stuck. If you've already started something, but and find something else and, and do something you love. Or some people like to meditate on it, but I'd rather not think about it personally. Another thing that I know I've done, I've done some research maybe on the subject matter that I'm stuck on rather than thinking of like dialogue or something. I'll go in and look at, because my stuff is not dialogue most of the time, except that I say it, (laughs) but it's not like books, like you write and things. It's not plays. It's more trying to come up with a subject that makes sense and getting research and, and having some facts behind it. So if I can say it, so it makes sense and putting it in my own words and still having it a value, I I'll go online and Google stuff and, and check out some. So I have some background Mm -hmm. and then that helps me find a direction 
which I might not have had before. Because that outline thing, I know what you mean. If I don't have an outline for a blog, it's fine. But a YouTube video, I don't need one. I just need an idea and a spark because those are short. (laughs) When it comes to something longer, like an hour radio show, which is what I used to have, and even the podcast, I really like having an outline that I don't always follow. But at least then if I get lost, I got somewhere to go. And since I pre-record most of the time, that's helpful because I can cut things out if I really wander off the subject. When you're really working on stuff that's written, I think those are much more difficult for at least in my thought process, because you have to stay true to characters if you're doing books or plays. And that's, I think, so much harder. And I think it's so much easier to get writer's block, especially get people stuck in a weird place in your your book. Because sometimes I'm reading a book going, how are they going to get out of this? This makes no sense. And then sometimes they figure out a way that makes total sense. And other times I'm going, no, that was just stupid. So I don't know if I could have done better, but I'm just going to, come on, you get 300 pages leading up to this. That's it. (laughs) So uh, I really appreciate a good writer that figures it out somehow. So it makes sense and and it all falls into place and you go, oh, duh. And sometimes you figure it out before if they give too many clues away, whether it's a mystery or whatever it is, but it's really fascinating to see how people figure things out. And I, I can only imagine how unless they really see it like Mozart, where you have the whole thing in your head from the beginning, trying to figure out who's going to do what, when. It it does. And sometimes a way to also overcome writer's block is, you know, join a writer's group. When you join a writer's group, Mm. sometimes they see something that you don't see when it comes to your characters or when it comes to your dialogue or how you're presenting your story and take their, you know, criticism, uh, critique, with it, hopefully you, you've got a tough skin. I mean, you know, if you've got a thin skin, you're not going to do very mm-hmm. well when it comes to uh, writing essays or plays or books. Um, you might as well just take your manuscript and throw it in a drawer. Journals and diaries, of course, that's you know something private. Seeing the picture that uh, I sent you, that's uh, 23 years of journals. First journal entry I wrote was in January 1st, 1998, and nobody gets into those. Maybe later on down the road, if somebody wants to write a play about it or, you know, take a glimpse as to what life was like in the uh, beginning of the 21st century, you know, sure. But nobody gets into my journals. And uh, in those journals, I mean, I can write what I want, express my opinions, and I can misspell words if I want. But I mean, having a master's degree in English, basically, I can legally misspell words. (laughs) <laughs> license to misspell. You just have a license to misspell. Take the time to write and to you know to express your opinions. But when it comes to like your essays and plays and poems and short story, join a writers group because they can uh, offer some wonderful ideas uh, that you probably didn't think of when it came to uh, comes to overcoming writers block. How do you find writers groups? Are they? I mean, I know schools have classes, obviously, but are is it just like meetup? You got to of course find the writers group that's right for you. No pun intended. You, you've got to find a, you know, a group that's you know diverse, different, comes from different cultures, different backgrounds. And if you want to write sci-fi, you probably want a sci-fi group, mystery group kind of thing. There is, but you, know, you, don't, nec- you don't necessarily have to focus in on that one particular subject matter, that one particular genre. And sometimes it helps to get you know different mm-hmm. genres and different subject matters because they can give you like different ideas for your stories. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, let's face it. How many times are we going to go out to space and explore the unknown? 
what alien race are we going to come across? What kind of conflict are we going to have? I don't know. There's a lot of stories about all that sort of thing. You had talked before about writing your history and that knowing about the being in the 21st century and everything. And I know you've talked mm-hmm. about encouraging people to record their history. Do you have any tips on how to go about doing that? Yes. Well, when it comes to you know your journals, the best thing to do when it comes to recording your history is find your oldest living relative, you know, your grandparent, your great grandparent, your aunts and uncles. My dad came from a family of uh, nine girls and seven boys. Wow. And so you can imagine the diversity and the different types of, of history each one uh, had, uh, especially when, let's see, my grandfather had two different wives. And I believe both of them were named Pearl. Another one, another way to probably research your history would also be to, as I'm not trying to promote it or anything, but, you know, take a, a DNA test at 23andMe or DNAAncestry.com. I did that. I found, you know, numerous relatives that uh, I had out there that I didn't know about. I came across a woman and we kind of compared notes by email and come to find out uh, her grandfather and my grandmother were brother and sister. So I was like, oh. okay, here's a branch of the tree I didn't know about. <laughs> Those would be, uh, you know, two ways. Uh, talk to people, you know, get interview your your grandparents, your great-grandparents, your aunts and uncles. Get those the history and so forth. I mean, what was it like when World War II broke out? What was it like about Vietnam? You know, did you have relatives who fought or died in Vietnam? These are things that, that are part of your history, part of your heritage, as it is. And World War II, if they're still alive enough. <laughs> I have I have some ants that are in uh-huh. there over a hundred, and about ten years ago, I actually came across when I was doing a, a legacy box. I was looking through all my old cassette tapes to see if I wanted anything right. digitized, and it was so funny because I found a cassette that both sides of the cassette are full. That one aunt who is not actually of the blood, uh, she's married to mm-hmm. my uncle who had passed away. Uh, the, was interviewing the other women who were and who were raised on the farm in Brainerd, Minnesota. And they were in their late 80s, early 90s when they interviewed because my Aunt Betty was still alive then. And so she interviewed, the, I think, three of them, two or three of them that were still alive. And they were explaining what it was like being raised on the farm and all the family got a copy of it. Yep. So it, mm-hmm. was, it was fun to hear that. I really like that suggestion if people take it to be able to know more. Because when you're younger, who listens to the same stories you hear Mm -hmm. over and over again from your parents? Who actually pays attention to those? And if they were recorded when you're 20 years later and your parents are either not remembering or they're gone, you would have some of those stories. And I wish that my dad Mm -hmm. had recorded some of them for us because who listened, really, honestly? Before we wrap this up, I really, as I always do, want you to leave us with three things that people can take away from today. So do you have three things that you'd like to have people think about writing? Three things. Um, When it comes to writing, be truthful, especially when it comes to journal writing. You never know who you're going to, who's going to read it, but at least tell the truth. Don't try and be a you know conspiracy theorist, which, as you know, we've gotten so much of in the last two years. But when you write, tell the truth. I'm trying to think of a, a quote by Mark Twain. I know he had a, a lot of stuff in his writings and so forth. I would say that if you if there's two writers that you or three writers that you should study, one would be Shakespeare because he was you know he was a master of the language. Uh, Mark Twain, not so much his writings, but his uh, his musings, 
his sayings. I know that especially when it comes to, to politics, one of his sayings was uh, politicians are like diapers. They should be changed often and for the same reason. One of my all-time you know, favorite expressions about the classics, you know, the classics are things people praise, but nobody bothers to read. Those are the books that look pretty on the shelf. Exactly. Exactly. And, and another writer would be Edward Albee, three-time Pulitzer playwright. I, I had the privilege of meeting him and Horton Foote up in Valdez, Alaska some 21 years ago. And uh, in the week that I spent listening to their stories and their lectures, uh, it, was, it was like getting a, an associate's degree. I mean, it was, hmm. it was just fantastic. Another thing, always remember writing is important. I mean, you, you need to literally pull your head out of your cell phone and your social media page and have the guts to write more than 280 characters. Uh, what was it Edward Albee said that computers and laptops and so forth, manuscript writing has become a lost art form. You know, we don't do rough drafts. We don't write rough drafts anymore. We just go right to the uh, to the computer and we've got, there's programs where you've got great sentence structure and how you have spell check and everything. And, you know, you've got to, don't write mechanically, write from the heart, write from the soul. You can always change it later. That's why it's a draft, especially if you have an editor <laughs> that rips it apart. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm fortunate enough to have one. Another thing to take about writing, it, like Oprah said, you know, it, it can change your life. I know it's it's changed mine. And once you see certain patterns develop, you can have the ability to to turn the page in your life and move forward. So that's a good thing for writing. For writing does it. It keeps me sane, so to speak. It's a great form of therapy. I'd like to add a few things myself because I found sure. it's really important to do in your life. And people don't, like you say, take the time to stop looking at their phone. That I think the things that you have to realize is you don't have to think of yourself as a writer to get something out of writing. You don't have to think of yourself like I have to write a novel to get something out of writing. And it doesn't have to be a journal because some people just aren't into that. But you can write blogs. You can write anything you want and still get something out of it, even if it's only on Facebook. If I've seen people write long articles on Facebook where it mm -hmm. goes on and on and on, and it's amazing if you take the time to read them and hopefully they save those so they don't just post it on Facebook. And so that's the first thing. The next one is just to know that you're going to learn a lot more about yourself by writing. And you've kind of said that already. <laughs> I found that sometimes things that I don't know about myself are buried so deep that it takes some sort of writing to really discover that so that you have, you get the first layer and then you're going, okay, great. and then you think, and then you write a little more and then you write a little more on the subject. And all of a sudden you go, Oh, I didn't know I felt that way about this. <laughs> or maybe right. you say, I thought I'd healed this section of my life and look how I really feel about this person. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes you can get it out and you heal yourself, like you said before, and that makes it a really special and cheaper way of doing it than hiring somebody. Sure. But you know, also but, you know, there's also different types of journals, not so much as writing. If you're a music lover, keep a music journal, you know, write songs. You don't have to put words to it, just, you know, write songs. If you're an artist, keep a sketch pad. If you're, if you're into photography, keep a photographic journal. Doing something mm -hmm. like taking a walk in a park, you have no idea what type of images that you're going to come up with. And, you know, and that's another way of keeping a journal and keeping your mind healthy and happy. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add before we uh, wrap this up? Other than uh, appreciate you having me. This has been a real pleasure. And I will say uh, it never hurts to uh, have a little sunshine in your life now and then. I want to thank you 
for joining me, Daryl. And I want to thank my listeners as well. If you'd like to connect with either myself or Daryl, check out the show notes. If you'd like to read either of Daryl's books, 10-5, You're Going Home, Marine, or Barry and the Vampire in the Rosedale Encounter, you'll find them online at Barnes & Noble. And there's a direct link in the show notes if you'd like to get one. And I've read them both, so I recommend them. Thank you. And also, you're going to see a link there to watch the performance of his play, The Spectre Society. Besides that, you'll find links to both my website and my YouTube channel there. And if you'd like to know more about life coaching with me or Marconics, multidimensional energy, be brave, reach out to me and ask me questions. And Daryl, thank you again. It's been a true pleasure. Thank you, Carol. The, the pleasure's all mine. And until next week, be courageous and reach higher. And remember that transformation is a journey, not an end destination. So be kind to yourself. And if you aren't usually a writer, try writing, even just a couple of sentences a day and see if you don't think a little clearer, maybe communicate a little better and discover more of yourself than you ever knew before. Thank you so much for joining me here today. If you love the show, make sure you rate, review, and share this podcast and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Connect with me on Facebook or by email with questions and comments, ideas for future episodes, or if you would like to be a guest, give me a shout out and I'll send you an application. Until next week, remember, you are already enough to have that joyful, limitless life that you desire. Today's gonna be, gonna be a good, good day. You are tuned in to Living Your Limitless Life. Do you want to know more? Visit host Carol DeShane's website at connect2joy.com. Today's gonna be, gonna be a good, good day, yeah.